This episode of the podcast is presented by Knowing Hospitality, a full-service hotel management and consulting company that works directly with hotel owners and managers to help stabilize their properties and take on projects that are critical to their operation. Knowing Hospitality can be the extra set of hands that you need to make sure your hotel is best positioned for today's environment. Visit knowinghospitality.com to learn more. Now let's get to the podcast. We took the initiative to say that a crisis creates an opportunity to bring people together. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. My guest today is Ron Swidler. He's the Chief Innovation Officer at the Gettys Group, where he pioneered new approaches to experience design and collaboration. His latest venture was relaunching the Hotel of Tomorrow Project, an industry-leading think tank that's re-envisioning the future of hospitality in light of the pandemic. The result of this project has been breakthrough ideas contributed and shaped from all around the world, all done through digital workshops. Now I have to give you a heads up, this is a highly visual episode. Ron shares a presentation that outlines how the Hotel of Tomorrow project was put together and the concepts that rose to the top as part of this major collaborative effort. I think we do a good job of describing what's on the screen, but if you want to see everything that we discuss, head over to the show's YouTube channel. Just search the Proven Principles podcast. So let's get to it. This is episode 31 of the Proven Principles podcast, Ron Swidler on the Hotel of Tomorrow. Enjoy. Ron, thanks for being on the show. It's great to, uh, to have you on. Thanks, Adam. Pleasure to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, you bet. So why don't you give everybody a quick rundown uh, about who you are? How did you get to where you are today? What are you up to right now? Uh, Well, so I am the Chief Innovation Officer at the Gettys Group, a company that I was fortunate enough to be the first one hired uh, to join that team in 1988. So if you're doing the math, that means I'm an old man. I've been around a long time, but what the Gettys Group is uh, focused on is developing uh, value in hospitality real estate. And we have a, we've been known as a a great global interior design firm, and we've certainly done many, many projects uh, that are noteworthy. Uh, Over the years, we've diversified our uh, service offerings and our focus. Um, We cover a little more than the hospitality industry now. And it's because, frankly, Adam, a lot of people are looking for what we call hospitality-infused real estate. So our area of focus includes hotels and resorts and cruise ships, but also senior living and multifamily and now commercial office, Um, but always with a focus on how do we bring the sensibility of a guest experience uh, to life in various forms of real estate. And and create those unique kind of you know, differentiated and desirable guest experiences. Um, over time, we've built the company to include both uh, interior design and procurement initially, uh, buying of furnishings and finishes. And then we added a development arm, uh, selectively investing in projects, as well as a um, branding group that I started about 10 years ago, um, and then we've stratified the company a little bit to focus on not only upper upscale hotels and luxury projects, but also uh, select service and more prototypical projects as well. So we really, we work all over the world. We have offices, headquarters in Chicago. We have an office in Manila in the Philippines. We also have an office through a relationship in Saudi Arabia. 
Um, so uh, it's been uh, it's been a very exciting kind of path to to be on. Like the world we live in, I think there's a high degree of unpredictability and and therefore flexibility required. I think that Fritz Van Passion, former CEO of Starwood, had said that you know it, it, being nimble is probably the most important uh, attribute. Uh, he said that uh, about eight years ago, and it's still true today, probably more so than ever. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, right now there's so much going on, and I like the way that you. Uh, that you described what it is the company does because I think owners and managers right now are the playing field is so broad that the, the, the trying to figure out how much flexibility should I have? What should I do with my asset? Um, you know, who's my new target audience? What kind of technology should I bring into my property? What's going to provide value? What's going to just be noise that I'm spending money on that doesn't bring any value. Um, we're still trying to figure a lot of things out right now. Well, and and you and I have talked about this before, Adam. I feel like some of the problems that we're facing as an industry are problems that maybe we're not qualified alone to be able to answer those questions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember years ago as technology was starting to play a bigger part in the guest experience, we were being asked our advice about the technology to integrate into a hotel. And, um, we answered to the degree that we could, but we always suggested we bring in experts uh, that you know that could answer those questions for us. The same became true when when we looked at issues around security. Uh, some of the projects that we work on have to have heightened level of security to them. Uh, and again, we don't necessarily have that expertise. And then with the pandemic that we're all in the midst of right now, we we're being asked questions about. Uh, health, safety, sanitization, and that's not something that uh, we were ready to, you know, kind of uh, respond to in the most responsible way as quickly as we could until we were self-educated, but also surrounding ourselves with experts who might be able to help us. So I think that's where, as as our industry is shifting to keep pace with the um, kind of rate of technology adoption, which uh, is probably accelerated two or three times over the past six months, uh, meaning we've probably leapt forward two or three years in technology adoption through this pandemic because of touch, touchless technology or app-based technology or uh, voice activation, things that don't require you know contactless is, is key there. Um, we're all kind of trying to accelerate the solutions that we can that we can find it as we face these problems together. And that's a really good segue into this amazing, huge project that you've been spending a lot of time on, the Hotel of Tomorrow. And that's, I mean, for the listeners here, that's how you and I uh, actually got connected. And uh, I have to say, I mean, if if anybody is listening and they haven't seen this, and I'll link to it in the show notes, this is a, a monumental piece of work and it's doing exactly what you talked about, bringing in experts in different fields to give their perspective on where the industry needs to go. So how did that project come together? Um, well, there's a, I'm going to move my screen a little bit because it looked like uh, these beautiful sunbeams are coming in my window. And that <laughs> means that it's un, uncommonly warm and sunny here in Chicago, which uh, is uh, a pleasure. You'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it for sure. So. Um, 
So Adam, you know what happened was that we started the Hotel of Tomorrow initiative in 2004 and carried it on in 2005 and six. Um, the belief was that there was a, an opportunity to learn through collaboration across some of the silos that had popped up in our industry. For example, there isn't a lot of dialogue historically among designers and architects and developers and owners and brands and technologists um, about the changing consumer expectations and design solutions and across other industries as well. We're not, there wasn't dialogue that included healthcare providers or legal. Um, and so what we did was we created a forum that allowed for an exploration of the future of our industry um, and stripped away some of the, the, the hurdles that might have prevented people from sharing information by saying, if we look 15 or 20 years out, what, what, what might we anticipate um, in that future? It led to all kinds of fascinating innovations. It was a think tank that we started initially with about 35 people. It grew to about 125 people. Um, and we created futuristic um, exhibits of the, the results of it. It turned into some real products. The um, uh, robot that you see in some loft hotels mm -hmm. uh, actually came out of the Hotel Tomorrow, the select your own guest room um, solution that Hilton rolled out in Garden Inns was something that came out of it as well. Um, there were uh, numerous innovations that became reality as a result of just exploring what the possibilities might be. And when you're in a room, Adam, where you're sitting at working on a concept with a lighting manufacturer uh, and a hotel owner and an architect, and someone says, hey, wait a second here, go get that carpet guy here and bring him in because we want to see if we can incorporate um, LED lighting into carpet fibers and the floor. So when you step on the floor, you'll have a pool of light at your feet. Um, so all kinds of possibilities became, um, you know, these, this vision of the future, um, that came as a result of, again, breaking down the, the, the silos and, and facilitating a conversation about the future. So after going through that in, in oh, for three years running in, and changing some of the dynamics and participants and adding to them, um, we took our approach and ideas and we continued to work internally at the Gettys Group, utilizing those processes and ideas into the projects that we were working on. But when the pandemic came uh, earlier this year, and we were honestly being asked by our clients and we were asking ourselves for our own developments as we are a hotel developer as well. How do we solve for some of these problems? What is the solution um, for uh, compliance with this new reality? Um, and so we started um, bringing together some, some experts to help us solve those problems and said, this is really a time to bring together the broader group again and bring back that conversation. So if you don't mind, Adam, maybe I'll share my screen with you and I'll, yeah, I'll show absolutely. you a bit about how we did what we did. Let's do it. Okay, let me share my screen. I think you're sharing, um, yep, you're, uh, you're showing Oh, am I up active here. right now? You're active right now. Okay, great. Let me, let me take you to, uh, let me take you to a kind of summary of what we did. So the belief here is that, um, 
together we're, we're going to have a, a broader vision than we can have ourselves, right? So the future hospitality requires a, a shared vision. And we decided that it, in order to conceptualize that future, we really needed to bring in some thinkers um, who have seen a lot, right? So we built mm-hmm. a think tank um, with, uh, with a larger group of people to solve those design and operations challenges, because these are both design challenges and operations challenges, obviously. And it's it's both for tomorrow, but it's also for today. And we didn't want to leave the conversation around um, sanitization and plexiglass barriers and things like that that are perhaps just short-term solutions. We were looking for longer-term solutions um, that were worthy of uh, um, investment uh, into the future. And so we did uh, build that think tank again and included hotel brands and owners, operators, consultants, suppliers, and um, together we're envisioning the future of our industry. Um, so we we created a methodology that I'll explain in a little bit more uh, detail to you uh, that allowed for a collaborative virtual workspace because of course we didn't have the ability to bring everybody together in a ballroom the way that we had done it uh, in years past. This is a, a listing of some of the companies that were involved. We had 325 total people involved in this initiative um, from all over the world. We have universities and owners and operators and um, technology companies and associations, um, all of whom were contributing their thinking and expertise. And I will say uh, that there were different levels of commitment. This was something that was a, a volunteer kind of uh, opportunity. If someone wanted to contribute on a a regular basis, they could be an active participant. And if someone wanted to be uh, more of an observer who could come and see the inspirational webinars or the results of what we were coming up with, they were welcome to do that. Um, I will say that there was no cost associated with this. This was the Gettys Group altruistically saying, we are going to pull together this enormous undertaking for the good of our industry um, and, uh, you know, gratefully, lots of other people saw enough value in it that they were willing to contribute their time. I mean, that's a, just for those that, that aren't watching on the, the video stream here on YouTube, um, that list of people is, I mean, how many are on there? There's probably a hundred people, hundred different companies on there, yeah, uh, yeah, give yeah, or take yeah. Yeah. super diverse, everything from architects to different brands, consultants, operators, um, manufacturers. Yeah, this is, I mean, you really covered a lot of ground here. Yeah, we did. And um, it was a lot of work, uh, obviously, to to solicit this degree of engagement. But um, look, people people only follow if they believe in the leader and, and the leadership and where things are going. So mm-hmm. um, there's a, a website that we've built, which I know you'll link to, which is um, hotel-of-tomorrow.com. And they'll see if they'd like to see the list of companies and link through to any of them they're welcome to. But let me tell you a little bit about the process. Once we got people engaged, um, what we did was um, we built this uh, game board to, to kind of explain a project overview of how we went about this process. 
So for those of you who are watching along, you'll see this. I'll do my best to describe it for those of you who are just listening. But we started everything with a kickoff webinar. Uh, and again, all participants were welcome to join in. And we discussed the purpose uh, and the process uh, that we were going to undergo to conceptualize these solutions. Um, we then built an online database that is a remarkable tool um, utilizing a platform that was generously uh, contributed by my friend Chad Reynolds from battery.com. Um, mm-hmm. That's two I's instead of a Y at the end. And what we did was we said, as you might expect, Adam, how do we learn as quickly as we can what's already being done out there to kind of solve for this new pandemic requirement? Um, so what are retailers doing? What are other parts of the world doing? What's higher ed doing? What, what kind of tools are available? Uh, what do we need to know about? And we built this database. It's all broken down into multiple categories. And I'll show you uh, a little bit about that um, in a moment. Um, once we've done research, and it was meant to really inspire everybody and say, wow, I didn't realize that um, this retailer in Sweden has already built an app that tells you when there are too many people in a store and it might not be a safe time to go in because of capacity constraints. Because of course, we all reduced the number of people that could be in an environment at a given time. How is that regulated? A person standing outside saying hey, someone just came out so you can go in or can technology help solve some of these problems? Anyway, we went from the inspiration gathering phase to a series of team-based workshops. We divided all the participants into 16 teams around the world. And those teams were hand-assembled where we had representatives of different um, industries and expertise coming together to share their ideas. Uh, And then we trained the trainers. We uh, we We had leaders on all 16 teams from my company, uh, from the Gettys Group, as well as uh, some other qualified ideators and facilitators. And we ran multiple workshops to consider the entire development cycle and the guest experience. And I'll show you a little bit about what that looks like in a moment. Mm -hmm. Um, We then asked the teams to take their top idea and present it to everybody else. We brought everyone back together in a webinar and Each team presented their top ideas um, from there. Um, Then we tested those ideas. We went out to everybody who was involved and we asked them to evaluate which of those 16 ideas uh, might have the most viability, feasibility, and desirability, right? What is possible? What is cost-effective? And what would people actually want? And then based upon that, we advanced those ideas into the last concept phase. Um, Then we went to what we called an open uh, workshop format where we invited anyone uh, to join these weekly workshops to focus on five ideas, um, which we advanced to a much more defined level. And then we went out to over 75,000 travelers and we asked them for their feedback on the ideas that we had conceptualized. Wow. So ultimately, it was uh, it was a very ambitious project that lasted about ten weeks. 
which is incredible to consider how many people um, had to be kind of shepherded through this process during that limited time. Mm-hmm. Wow, I mean that's that. I mean that, the the speed that you went through that on its own is is incredible. And at, when we get into the podcast here a little more, I want to ask you about that. But uh, sure. if anybody uh, listening to this hops over to uh, to YouTube to the YouTube channel, I'll have a timestamp in the show notes so that you can see exactly what we were just looking at because it's it's very impressive. Thank you, Adam. Um, one of the things that I'd like to share with your listeners uh, and viewers is this platform that we utilize called Battery. Um, it was um, truly one of those answers to a problem that we didn't know how to solve uh, in the beginning, which was how do you bring together people in a shared platform environment that was both synchronous and asynchronous, right? So mm-hmm. um, I have two kids, uh, one in college, one in grad school right now. And, and you know, they tell me that a combination of synchronous and asynchronous learning is what is really working best for them. So we had to find a solution that allowed people, remember, we're talking about um, you know, nine time zone differences between the parts of the world that we're all coming together here. Um, how do we create a platform that allow people to contribute uh, at their convenience or dial in when the time was right for them? So as you'll see on screen, those of you watching, the battery site allowed for us to build out a database of information, but also create virtual workspaces. So if we go to Um, the Inspiration Gallery, and this is the database that I referred to. This is just one small part of the overall um, online platform that we we utilized here. And you'll see that the Inspiration Gallery is research that's organized by topic, from Mm -hmm. architecture and planning through shared spaces, meaning public areas, et cetera, guest rooms, food and beverage specifically, fitness and wellness, et cetera. And everyone who was involved in the project was doing research and contributing their findings to this site. And so the the format that we're looking at right now is kind of a Pinterest board format. Each of these are live links to full articles online. Um, You know, if you wanted to learn more about what they're doing on Mumbai right now, where a retailer has figured out how to create this sanitization tunnel that people have to walk through that sprays them before walking into the store or learn about what Ikea is doing right now in their design lab, um, integrating technologies and consumer electronics for the guest room that or for their home that could be applied to guest rooms. Or There's all kinds of amazing examples of things that are being done. Parking spaces being converted to outdoor dining solutions in London. And these then became the reference tools. So rather than me saying to you, Adam, consider the future of hotel guest rooms, what would you as a consumer traveler be interested in? Your experience would be your inspiration, but we may not, you may not have been exposed to many of these other kind of breakthrough ideas and technologies and experiments that are being done around the world. So we wanted to bring that to light prior to asking you to come together and work as a team. When we did ask people to come together and work as a team, we built these virtual workspaces. These were called rooms, and every team had a room that they were able to work in. And as you'll see on screen, those of you who are looking at this, 
that room was one of the walls of that room was covered with a giant worksheet that allowed us to look at the hotel development cycle, the entire guest journey from marketing, booking, check-in, guest room, lobby, wellness, food and beverage meetings, and checkout to other topics like business models, new business models for hotels or new material technologies or a different employee experience or safety, and be able to state what some of the challenges are that we're facing. In this case, we used blue post-its. And then what some of the solutions might be against that challenge using yellow post-its. And then adding all kinds of imagery and videos and research to these boards, ultimately to be able to say that this team and the teams ranged between about uh, 12 to 15 or, or some cases even more than 15 people. What are the topics that are most interesting to them? Or in the reality, Adam, what are the challenges that those hotel owners or operators or brands, what are they struggling with that the team might be able to help them solve for? So we went through this process in order to ultimately, again, come up with each team coming up with one idea. That idea was presented and tested. And then once we got to the top five ideas and using open workshop formats, we created other workrooms centrally around that one idea. The canvas we're looking at right now had to do with the future of guest rooms and the um, sleeping environment, an idea that I'll show you the end result in just a moment. But here we went much deeper into exploring the possibilities, considering idea enhancements to the initial idea, idea, um, the resources that would be required to make it real, some sketches, and answering important questions like, why should we do it? Why would consumers like it? Why would hotel owners and operators like it? And how will we know if we're successful? Ultimately, um, these ideas then were rendered um, working very closely with uh, a, an incredible visual artist and, and uh, a thinker, a friend of mine who's a former Disney and Universal guy, I still does work for Universal, but I'll say he's a former Universal guy. Um, and we took these ideas and turned them into uh, renderings that were able to convey the entire concept. So what we're looking at right now, should I keep going, Adam? Or yeah, should... absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. What we're looking at right now is one of the five ideas that I can share with you. I'll tell you that there were many, many more ideas um, that we are not sharing publicly at this time. That's just the nature of how this think tank works. We, we all agreed that certain things can be shared and certain things will be kept to ourselves. Um, but what we're looking at is an idea called the Robot Alliance. Um, this was an idea that was just published, incidentally, in the New York Times recently. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're very grateful for their support of, of what we came up with. What we're looking at here, and I have a follow-on slide that explains it in a little more detail for your readers and, uh, and, and listeners, um, this is a deconstructed food and beverage solution. This is a way of saying, Adam, if people don't feel comfortable in going into a restaurant where half the furniture has been stripped out in order to create a safer distance between them or more barriers put up between tables. Could we bring the food and beverage experience to the areas of the hotel that by their nature are more generous in scale? People can be more safely together, but still apart. And in order to do that and to service 
guests further away from the bar or the kitchen, we have to have an efficient way of being able to serve them that in this case relies upon automation and robotics. And so in this image, you see a robot bartender in the background. Um, you see uh, various forms of robots that are going around the public areas. There are drone robots that are specialized in communications. They're the ones that are interacting with the guest most frequently. If a guest wants something, the drone communicates back to the bartender. The bartender is able to communicate with the other bots. You see two different size bots, one which is more like a mini fridge um, on a, a single wheel. And it, um, it, it has a companion bot that is a larger one, which is shown in blue, that serves larger groups um, and can act uh, as not only your your server, uh, but also can can remain with you and act as your refrigerator or your hot box. It also has an LED display television, so it can form serve as entertainment uh, for television or as your DJ. But the idea is that the bots talk to one another. They talk back to the central kind of um, facilitator and as the robot and. A solution like this with, with lots of personality, by the way, we imagined from the movie Up, we imagined that the, the dog, Doug, who, who can talk, is really kind of like our small refrigerator um, that can be your companion. Not only does it deliver beverages, hot or cold things to you uh, with the ability to control temperature, but it all can also stay with you and form as a, a bit of a companion. So... Um, the, the big idea here is, um, and it's founded in our own uh, reality, is that we know that costs of labor have continued to rise. We know that automation is continuing to become more affordable and uh, more capable. And we know that we're going to reach a point where robots are more specialized. They have certain things that they are, that they are built and programmed to do very, very well and not do necessarily all things to all, uh, for all people. That's funny. Um, so uh, this is imagining a deconstructed food and beverage solution and a way to serve people in more remote parts of the hotel. Any Anything really, you want me to layer on about this? Yeah, I mean, this is, oh my God, there's so many thoughts coming to mind as we're looking at this, as I'm looking at this. I mean, if anybody who's listening, you really have to watch the the video, YouTube video of the podcast to see what we're talking about, but you've done a great job in explaining it. Um, I mean, this is, this is like looking at a sci-fi movie or like, a you know, anyone who watched Westworld recently, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of yeah, has that. It's unbelievable. The robots. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, the robots are safe. We talked about when we did uh, a quick meetup about a month ago. Uh, I I actually I remember this in our conversation. I said like, how far are we from having Boston Dynamics style robots, uh, you know, in our hotels? And, and thinking that we're probably decades away from that. And kind of based on this, we're a lot closer to that reality than I think a lot of people realize. I think you're right, Adam. Um... For uh, those of you who haven't uh, seen the hotel that opened late last year in China, uh, Alibaba, the giant online Chinese retailer, created a hotel called the Fly Zoo. Um, it's spelled just the way that you would imagine, F-L-Y-Z-O-O. -O. 
Um, and they built it as a demonstration for their advances in robotics. There you will find all kinds of advanced technologies, including robot servers. Um, and they're not just showcasing the evolution of their technology. This is the showroom for you to purchase those robots for your own hotel. Mm. So um, the future is uh, closer than you might think, Adam. And, yeah. uh, and that's part of what, again, we were trying to get to with this project was not just to show things that were creative and imaginative, but uh, possible. Because ultimately, that's, uh, that's part of what, what will lead us to the next solution. Is there a, a region in the world that is, I mean, you just, you just talked about the hotel in China. Um, is there a region in the world where this is likely to flourish and that it will just slowly move across the globe? Or is this, are you seeing this um, in pockets all over the place? Hmm, that's a great question. I, you know, we are seeing uh, advances in technology from all over the world. Um, you know, just to cite a few examples, um, you know, Muji, a Japanese company, has recently been demoing autonomous vehicles in Finland um, through a partnership with them, both tremendous tech centers, right? Uh, both mm -hmm. Japan and, and Finland. Um, you have some remarkable technologies coming out of Israel right now, uh, and we've been able to utilize some of those technologies in our thinking. As a matter of fact, we had an Israeli roboticist involved in this project. Um, and look, we're, we're, we are known with our, our many technology companies in the U.S. as a place, Silicon Valley and well beyond, where great innovation uh, is coming to life uh, every day. Um, you know, I get I follow Elon Musk on uh, Twitter, and uh, it just seems like the future is really uh, happening around us when when you're paying attention to what they're doing with SpaceX and, and other things. Yeah, it's uh, it's it seems to me that there there's sort of at least in what we're talking about right now, there's two categories of issues being addressed by technology. The first is rising costs of operation. Okay. The second is safety. Um, now, whether it's being able to maintain social distancing, whether it's materials that are um, a little more conducive to uh, staying clean or, or sanitized, uh, whatever, whatever those things are that fall into that bucket. Um, is there anything else that, that may be, or that was addressed in this entire project, aside from those two elements, or maybe I'm off, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, that we should have some visibility on. Yeah. So why don't I why don't I answer your question with the next next example? Mm -hmm. um, the The next slide I'm bringing up it relates to a solution for the hotel guest room. This is a bed that we created called Bed XYZ, and and there are all kinds of um, technologies that have been incorporated into this bed. But, but ultimately, this bed is meant to be a solution to gamify the sleep experience. Okay. So Adam, how do you know if you had a good night's sleep? Uh, it's a great question. Uh, usually how you feel when you wake up. Okay. So that is difficult to measure. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could say, oh, I think that was a 
that was a eight out of 10 sleep, you know, because I slept for seven and a half hours. I didn't wake up in the night and, um, I feel refreshed when I wake up, but, but we now have technology to help us better understand how well we did sleep. And some of that technology is quickly moving into our daily lives. Thank you, Apple Watch. Um, and there are many other technologies that um, could help us better understand the quality of our sleep. And if we understood the quality of our sleep and we, under, and we created variables that allowed us to optimize our sleep, then we might be able to run small experiments to say, I did my 10-minute meditation, thank you, Headspace, on my, uh, on my phone or through the television in the room. And because of that, I was able to get an even higher sleep score. Or I drank some chamomile tea and uh, I, I did a, a workout using some in-room workout technology like Mirror. Uh, and I was ready for bed and took a long hot shower um, and went to sleep. And then I controlled the temperature in the room or the sound or the light levels or the firmness of the bed, and I got an even higher score. Adam, what if we could give people a better night's sleep in a hotel than they get in their own home? Yeah, you know that would be that would be game changing. Not to use a, a cliched saying. Um, and you know the what comes to mind as you're talking about this was the was the the bringing to market of the heavenly bed uh, yeah. back whenever that was was it was probably 15 or 20 years ago at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this seems like the next iteration of that. Well, um, I haven't shown this to Barry yet, but uh, it's possible he saw it. Um, <laughs> um, you know the the idea of a good night's sleep is something that we're now learning the implications to uh, as well. So um, it isn't just a, um, a something that would be nice to have, it's become a need to have, right? Right, right. And so, and we know based on research that the worst night's sleep you will ever have is your first night's sleep in a new environment. Mm-hmm. Well, think about the hotels that we are in, right? So we are in hotels uh, our first night in that new environment happens the first time we sleep in that hotel. So if we can improve um, the quality of the sleep, uh, we think that that would be significant in terms of enhancing a guest experience. Forget um, about time zone changes, you know, yeah, that alone, exa- right? Exactly, exactly. Now, we've integrated some other material technologies into this solution as well, and you were alluded to it. Um, there are fabrics that are incorporated into this solution that are air scrubbing technologies. Um, and if you think that that seems far off, go to IKEA.com and see that they've already incorporated air scrubbing fabrics into window coverings that is pulling uh, pollutants out of the air, harboring it into, into the fabric itself. And, uh, and then through um, uh, exposure to sunlight, um, that fabric is cleaned. So the, there are many, many technologies that are, were considered here um, and, and incorporated. I'll go to the next idea. This one, we just got hired to um, actually make this idea real at a very large um, convention center hotel and resort. Um, 
This idea is called Inside Out, Outside In, and it really is taking the idea of biophilia or the way that your mind is soothed by being outdoors. Um, you know that you have a 1.6 times or 160% uh, faster recovery from stress if you're in an outdoor environment than you are in an indoor environment. That's amazing. Um, so, it, I think we are, remember we are descendants of a form of humans that lived outdoors, right? Mm -hmm. And now we live mostly indoors. Uh, those of us who are fortunate enough to be able to do that. Um, and so, what we've also know through research is that a simulation of the outdoors can have almost the same benefits um, to being outdoors in actuality. And so we're using a bunch of technology here, um, full panel LED displays on walls and ceilings, um, projection mapping on to preserve trees, for example, um, actual water plus simulated waterfalls um, utilizing LED, um, you know, uh, directional sound, um, uh, airflow that, that mimics outdoor breezes, um, and heightened uh, and enhanced air filtration systems, all to kind of simulate outdoor environments, but bringing that indoors. And it isn't for the rainforest cafe effect. I don't mean mm -hmm. any disrespect to any of those people, um, where that was purely as a form of uh, a simulated environment for entertainment. This is the, the benefit of being passively entertained we know that researchers show that our ability to focus on something singular is heightened significantly if there's a form of activity around us that is non-distracting. So if we can have just enough motion, just enough sound, just enough simulation of, of nature around us, it allows us to have a healthier state of mind and a higher degree of focus. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna jump to the, to the next example. This one is called the journey pebble. It centers around an idea that data is being collected about us all the time and that we would like to be able to own and control our own data. There was a question that was posed by one of the uh, participants in the Hotel of Tomorrow project um, around um, how do we customize the guest experience to a greater degree without having to impose on the guest to tell us what is most important to them. And so the journey pebble is a means of telling the hotel while you're there wirelessly uh, utilizing beacon technologies, um, what your preferences are without having to ask. And you control those preferences. So when you arrive at the hotel, um, they know that you, would like a wake-up call at a given time, that you want a room on a high floor away from an elevator, that you have an allergy to feather pillows, that you intend to work out at six in the morning, and that in the event that, and if you are you know, a titanium member of Bonvoy or something, that you were a special guest, that the hotel could use that information to let you know, oh, by the way, Emily, um, there is still room on the treadmill at this time, you, if you can head down there now, it's available for you. Uh, and we may even get to a point where we can put a hold on pieces of equipment because 
the hotel can control more of the guest experience remotely. Anyway, the journey pebble then is you sharing as a guest your own personal information with the hotel and taking it with you when you leave. Now, it doesn't mean that the hotel can't gather data about your stay. They know you ate at the restaurant. They know what you ate. They know how much you spent, how much you tipped. If you ate alone, all of that's fine. But your preferences change constantly, and you should have the ability to own and control your own data. This, by the way, is, a, is an idea that we are now in communication with a company to make this real, um, a company that already specializes in personal protected data. Uh, and so we'll look forward to advancing that. I have one more concept to, to yeah. share, if that's okay, Adam. Of course. Um, this one's the Hotel Rover, and it capitalizes on the trend towards people getting out and getting to the national parks and getting on the open road and renting RVs. It also, let's go back to Elon Musk and Tesla for a second, capitalizes on some of the autonomous vehicle solutions. I want to give credit to my students at Institute Paul Bocuse and EM Lyon, universities um, in Paris. Uh, this is a concept that um, grew out of a, a project we did together in the class I, I, I did with them last year, earlier this year in Paris. Um, and their belief was that the um, hotel should be able to uncouple the guest room from its physical real estate. That as a guest, why can't I take my experience with me on the road but then go to another hotel that's affiliated, say it was a core hotels. If a core hotels got into the RV business and I knew I could take my RV to any a core hotel and I could get housekeeping services, I could get room service, I could utilize a day rate in the hotel for a full-size shower or um, you know, some other amenity like a swimming pool. There's an interrelationship between um, being on the open road and the physical hotel real estate. Not to mention, most hotels have parking lots that could accommodate a larger vehicle like this. Mm -hmm. And um, my artist friend uh, who rendered this and helped conceptualize it, RC Radio, built in the ability to pull the vehicle away from the stationary RV. So you could mm -hmm. essentially have a convertible or you can have an RV instead of having to navigate some of those mountain roads in a larger vehicle. Wow. Wow. This is unbelievable. I mean, oof, there's so much I want to dive into with you <laughs> on, on everything. Well, uh, I, I guess, you know, and I'd love to do another show if you'd be willing to do that sometime down the road sure. to do that. I think there's, there's so much, there's so much benefit to seeing how the sausage was made for lack of a better way of putting it, you know, the, because the, the work and the collaboration and the distilling of ideas um, and having different experts that have a different perspective on what's going on in the industry and where things are going and, uh, and fighting, uh, fighting figuratively, you know, the, the uh, strong opinions and, you know, all of that, that whole teamwork piece I, I almost want to put that on a shelf and dive into that in another episode because there's a lot of value, I think, for people to understand how best to bring big ideas and distill them down into things that are very, um, very polished and, and easy to understand and conceptualize like you've presented today. Thanks, um, But I want to make sure that I, I'm giving enough credit to all of the 
incredibly generous and brilliant people who contributed their thinking, their ideas, their time. This is not something that uh, was done by me alone. Mm-hmm. Far from it. This was this was a highly collaborative effort and a highly facilitated. I also was uh, very, very fortunate to surround myself with an advisory board that I built specifically for this project. Um, and I think that that's part of the secret to success here too, Adam, is um, to surround yourself with people that certainly know more than you, uh, collaborate well with you, uh, bring perspective, are willing to support your ideas, but also push you beyond the initial ideas. Uh, and I'm, I'm grateful to Matt Phillips of Phillips and & Company and to Adam Kubrick from Global Allies and Chad Reynolds from Battery um, and Max Luthi from Trendwatching. Uh, and also thanks to Material Connection, um, mm-hmm. the company based in New York, who is a material sciences company. Um, and it really took a, a concerted effort um, and that is something that gratefully we've had some experience doing at the Gettys Group is how to facilitate a process, how to distill ideas, how to build on ideas. And those skills are very valuable skills, Adam, going forward as, again, the challenges we face become increasingly complex and um, the need for um, shared kind of problem solving uh, only increases. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And that, that brings to mind the one question that's been on my mind, um, is we've been talking about doing this show together and going through this year. There's a lot of things on my mind, but you know, we're in a particularly difficult time in hospitality and, you know, there's a lot of people that have, um, you know, they're transitioning out of the industry. Uh, they've, they've been laid off, um, and I don't want to put you on the spot with a question here, but I, I'm going somewhere okay. with it. And um, and I just think that there's a lot of, not not just uncertainty about where's business going to come from, how's technology going to be integrated, but there's uncertainty about whether it's still a viable place to have a career. And I'm wondering if through the conversations that this project elicited, was there any discussion about the displacement of positions as a result of the adoption of technology in the industry? And and perhaps is there a place that those people could go to still stay in the industry, but maybe do an offshoot kind of a job that would support the technology that's coming in? It's a bit, I think you know where I'm going. It's kind of yeah. a clumsy question, but I think you get the, the, the no, gist No, not of it. at all. I, look, I, I'll answer the question by saying that no one came to us and said, the world has changed. Can you find a solution to the problems that we're facing? We took the initiative to say that a crisis creates an opportunity to bring people together, to have something that is a beneficial focus of our energy and time, and that this may spring new ideas uh, and it may spring new companies and new products. Um, uh, This is the opportunity, right? Is to not just wait for the phone to ring, but to go start to create a a place for you to explore new ideas and share ideas and evaluate ideas and test ideas 
and use those relationships and the insights um, to help you define where you want to go next. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I think inevitably technology uh, and automation is going to make some of uh, the way we work and what we do no longer relevant. And so the question is, where are the new opportunities that arise as a result of those changes? And a project like this starts to surface up some of those things. When you read about a solution in a in a uh, another part of the world and a gaming platform that has gamified the training procedures around the the sanitization and cleaning um, in order to incent people to to do it well. Um, you say, wait a second, how can we use a platform like that for train retraining or training? It, it could lead to all kinds of new ideas and opportunities, Adam. So, mm-hmm. um, so yes, I mean, it was part of the conversation. Uh, it's part of the implication of, of what we're considering for the future. We don't have the answers, but at least we created an opportunity for the dialogue and maybe some inspiration for those people, many of whom I will tell you, or some of whom, uh, were presently furloughed while they were working on this project. They had time available. They were able to apply some of their knowledge, their insight, their relationships. It kept them actively engaged with other people in our industry. Thankfully, many of them have since returned to their jobs. But that's part of the story that I've never told anybody, but I'm telling you is that's part of what helps keep people going too, is being challenged and being inspired and um, and and keeping a, a hope for what the opportunities might be in the future. Ron, this has uh, been an outstanding uh, look into the future for the hotel of tomorrow. <laughs> no pun intended, or pun intended. Um, if anybody wants to get a hold of you or learn more about what you're doing, more about the Gettys Group, what's a good place for them to go? Well, they can certainly go to our website, which is uh, gettys.com, G-E-T-T-Y-S.com. Um, they can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Ron Swidler, S-W-I-D-L-E-R. And um, feel free to reach out. Uh, there will be another chapter in the evolution of the hotel tomorrow. Uh, we're just about to launch a student-based competition at Cornell University that is going to be around hotel tomorrow. And there are several other universities that are going to be um, doing similar kind of programs. Uh, and then we'll look to bring people from our industry back together at some point next year. Fantastic. Good stuff. Well, Ron, thanks again for being on the show today. My Good pleasure. to connect with you and hope to talk to you again soon. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Adam. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This was my episode with Ron Swidler, Chief Innovation Officer at the Gettys Group. Be sure to check out their website, gettys.com, and you can find Ron on LinkedIn. I'll link to both in the show notes. To see the full interview, just head over to YouTube and search The Proven Principles Podcast, and you can learn more about the show on our website, theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. Finally, if you need to revamp a business strategy or simply need someone to work with through a tough problem in your hotel or restaurant, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can book a free call with me by going to knowinghospitality.com slash contact. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. For past episodes, show notes, or if you've got a story that might make a great episode, head on over to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, even on YouTube. And if you haven't already, don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening to The Proven Principles Podcast.